join us for another episode. Yeah, we're enjoying this. Uh, I don't know, someday I'm going to run out of stuff to say, but Jennifer's doing a great job for <laughs> anybody who doesn't know for, this uh, is my daughter. <laughs> yeah, and this is a first time. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a fifth time technically because this is our fifth episode. So, yeah, I've got a little experience under my belt now. We are going to be talking about If All I Ever Knew. This song was originally released on All That Matters, which we uh-huh. referenced um, a few podcasts ago. Yeah. And then Completely Taken In. Did I sit on it? I Again? I don't know. I guess I left it somewhere else. Uh, so it was re-released. Uh, it's a very well-known song. Tell us a little about I think every songwriter has their own personal favorites, and it's always awkward to save your own songs. Ooh, this is one of my favorites. Sounds like you're loving your own music. But, And I haven't written a lot of music. People ask me all the time, well, how many songs have you written? I honestly don't know. I haven't counted. I'm guessing somewhere around 250, maybe 300. I, I don't think I've written wow. more than that, which sounds like a lot of songs. But then you think of people like... Uh, Bill Gaither, Dottie Rambo, or Fanny Crosby. I forget how many thousand songs she'd written. So there are very prolific songwriters that just crank out hundreds upon hundreds. I pretty much have just written what I do. I have written for some other people. My songs have certainly been recorded by others, but occasionally I've written, you know, someone requests, would you write a song about a particular topic, or I'm working on a record, could you write a song that I could do? But I haven't done a lot of that. I haven't done a lot of co-writing. Phil Johnson, my uh, producer, friend, we've co-written a few songs together. I've probably co-written more with him than anybody else. But pretty much just, I write what I do. And so out of all the songs that I've written, which spans, you know, well, really probably close to 55 years, um, I have my personal favorites out of those. And this would actually be probably in the top 10, at least, of all the songs I've written for a couple reasons. It deals with a topic that's always uh, incredibly close to my heart. I always love to discuss the realm of faith and belief and uh, a tried faith, a tested faith. I'm just uh, kind of on a mission almost with those things that I teach, those things that I write and sing to help people to understand what faith really is and what faith you know, is not. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's a lot of very uh, unfortunate, if not pitiful teaching out there that falls under the heading of faith. So I'm always out to address that. But uh, topically, it's one of my favorite topics. But also, I love the melody of this. I I just, there's certain songs that I've uh, written, we'll cover some later. I think of a song I wrote called Waiting, which melodically, structurally is probably one of my favorites. Uh, He Knew Me Then is probably my personal favorite of all the songs I've ever written. It's the simplest song, just the gospel message, but I just, I love that song. This would be real high up the list because I I love the melody of it, the the chord structure. It it makes me work as a guitar player to play this one. Uh, And then coupled together with one of my favorite topics, it it has been, which is probably why we recut it on the Completely Taken In project, I haven't recut many songs, but uh, there have been just a handful, very slight handful, mm-hmm. that I've recut, and this has been one of them because I just thought the message needed to be revisited at, yeah. you know, at a later date, which it was on completely taken in. And I still sing that once in a while. I, I haven't sung it for a while, but I need That's to. It's a great one. Thank okay, you. you mentioned 55 years ago, what was your first song you wrote? Ooh, first song I ever wrote was a song called... Um, 
Oh, my, my, it was a saying my grandpa used to say, my, my grandpa Harbrook, who was my mom's dad, wonderful, godly man, and he had a saying called just right. If you ask grandpa, any, anybody, anywhere, how you doing? How you doing, Grandpa Harbrook? How you doing, Raven? Just right. It was always just yeah. right. So the first song I ever wrote was taken from that. Okay. And, and I honestly, off the top of my head, don't remember the lyrics or the song. I just remember that it was my grandpa's line that inspired me to write a uh, you know, Christian song. So that was, that was one that's probably been buried uh, in the dust for and a lot of years. And didn't you have an album that was called Just Right as I well? I did, actually. Later on, uh, it was probably my third album I did in Nashville in about 1970. I did my first album in Nashville with, uh, it was actually the Zondervan Corporation, which is more known for their book publishing. Mm -hmm. But as contemporary Christian music was starting to grow, it wasn't even called it at that time. They just, there's this new style of music. Uh, Zondervan d decided they wanted to have a record label, which they called um, Sing Chord. Boy, my memory still wow. works. <laughs> and, I've never even uh, heard that. Yeah, they developed kind of a contemporary label called Syncord, and I did three albums with them in Nashville. First mm -hmm. one was self-titled, just called Dallas Home. The second one was called For Teens Only, uh, the famous picture of me with a suit and tie standing out in the woods somewhere. I mean, they used to take these pictures. <laughs> they had to find a because set. Because that's how you dress right, when you go to the right. woods. <laughs> Why would you be wearing a suit and tie in the woods? And then the third one I did was called Just Right, which is uh, a picture. It's kind of a blacked-out Moody, I'm just playing my 12-string guitar, which I played back then. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the song that I wrote from my grandpa's line is on that, but that title okay. was from him. And uh, I'll have to dig through my old papers, which almost every song I've written through the years, I've kept in a file somewhere. Good. Strangely, the only one I can't find is Rise Again. And maybe the Lord just said, no, you don't need to, no, you know, wow. I don't know. Huh. But I've got songs written on napkins. I, I wrote a song once. I was out in a deer blind in Alabama, and I didn't have a thing to write on, so I took my knife and I carved the lyrics in the wood of the deer blind and then looked at it over and over and over while I was sitting there enough to remember it to when <laughs> it I got back. It was before phones when you could just <laughs> snap a little picture. It was, it was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, and I probably wouldn't have brought my phone out there with me if I had one, but... Uh, yeah, I've, I've kept songs in their original form uh, for years, and uh, like I said, I'll have That's to dig great. way back see if I can find that yes. first one, but I would have been about 17 years of age when I wrote that first one. Okay. That's neat. And we'll have to, that just gave me the idea of taking some of the older albums and coming and showing them, because I don't yeah. think we're referencing some of the songs that were originally released on those older albums. Yeah, these first podcasts were really kind of looking at the, at the book and the CD, which by the way, that book... Uh, the words, words of, of hope, hope and comfort. comfort then it has the cd Blair. in the back songs of hope and comfort so there's 17 chapters in the book there's 17 songs on the cd so you can listen to the music and read the devotional yeah. at the same time very nice we've had we've had great great yes. uh feedback from this uh, combination devotional of the of the cd in the book but yeah once we kind of get through what we want to get through here which are some of my favorite songs but there's a lot of stuff to revisit from yes. way back there and I think it'll be even interesting to talk about some of the technology and some of the ways we recorded uh, back in the early days, uh, late 60s, early 70s. The recording process, yeah. has, as, as, as has all technology, just evolved so dramatically. But uh, yeah, I've been around long enough to some of the ways we made records in the early days were pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song is, you said it's about faith. And several of the podcasts that we've done so far, we are talking about faith. So right. we have visited this subject. <laughs> and we will some more because it is worth visiting. 
But one of the lines in this chapter, uh, I think, is an area that we haven't touched on yet. True faith is not so much about getting things from God in answer to our prayers as it is in just trusting God until the answer comes. Yeah, I think that's such an important concept to grasp because, again, mm -hmm. uh, there's an abundance of teaching out there that has led a lot of people to believe that if you have faith, if you have a certain measure of faith, in fact, it's even promoted that you almost have to work, strive to get up this particular capacity of faith. You know, mm -hmm. if it's a, if there's a scale of one to ten, and you can get your faith to maybe a seven or a seven and a half, then yeah, you might be able to get the scale. right. And that's kind of the the type of faith that's being taught in a lot mm -hmm. around. And it's it's ultimately all very self-centered. Mm -hmm. It's all about getting what you want. It's uh, there are some teachers out mm -hmm. there that have little uh, formulas and plans for claiming the promises of God. Now, I'm, I'm a total believer in that. He Absolutely. wrote it down, presented, I think Spurgeon said, it's like bringing a check to the bank and saying, yeah. my money's there, you know, I, I, I want to draw from that, uh, from that account. But there's a self-centeredness to a lot of it, where kind of an arrogance, almost like God owes us. Hey, you see, you owe me, you know, you said, last time I checked, we don't tell God what he needs to do for us. Mm -hmm. We don't throw up his promises as though he may have forgotten what he said. Uh, there's, a, there's a lack of humility and grace oftentimes in this environment of what I call the hyper-faith teaching. And this, this song is kind of a reaction against that and that, that quote, you know, if we could get to that, that, look, faith isn't about accessing a thing or, or, or an event or a particular. The, the deeper quest of faith is to have a confidence and a trust in his sufficient grace when the answer doesn't come. Yeah. Uh, I often say, I'm going to preach a sermon here, but I think one of the better examples of this is, is the story in the life of Job. I think it's significant that the first time that God ever speaks to a man by his Holy Spirit to write down words on a manuscript, of all the things this eternal God could have thought of, of all the topics, he starts with, now, here's where I'm going to start. I want to tell you the story of the most righteous man on the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, a man that receives God's own endorsement. Mm -hmm. When was the last time God said about any of us, have you considered my servant Dallas? Have yeah. you considered my servant Bob, Mary, Jennifer? Uh, righteous, uh, blameless in all their ways. That was God's endorsement. Yeah. So what happens is great man of righteousness and, and faith, <laughs> he loses everything. All of his holdings, his entire estate, his 10 children, he's physically afflicted in pain and anguish. Mrs. Job shows up, says, honey, curse God and die. Don't yeah. you know that made his day? Yeah. Uh, sidebar issue, careful what you say. In all of scripture, we never hear of Mrs. Job again. Yeah. But in this faith tested, he, he, he gets it, you know, through a great discussion with God. God teaches him a great deal. But ultimately, you know, Job gets it. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. I don't feel it. There's nothing mm -hmm. evidencing itself to me that God's anywhere in my zip code. But I know my Redeemer lives. And then, of course, the great, great quote, though you slay me, I will still trust you. Yeah. And I often say that's the point where God got up off his throne. And went, yes. Because you know? yeah. uh, that's what God's up to in our, in our lives. That's why we go through the things we, we have to go through. Our faith must be tested mm -hmm. so that it becomes strong. We know this in the physical realm. You, you teach all kinds of, I don't know, my daughter's just this iron woman, boot camps <laughs> and 
I don't know what all. What are some of the things you've, you've taught and you teach? Oh, yeah. Boot camps, spin classes, uh, Pilates, yeah. yoga. Yeah. yeah, so she's she's fit. fit. Yeah. And, and we know this in the natural realm. You know, that, that saying, no pain, no gain. Well, it's true. I mean, you, you've, you've got to push. You don't want to. We were just talking about that off camera. You know, as I get older, I got some arthritic issues and some joints that don't work so well. Yeah. And I've been working out. I've always tried to work out, but there are just some things I can't do anymore. And a lot of times they say, well, push through it. Nah, I'm not convinced that's getting you any yeah. benefit. But when you exercise, whether it's running or lifting weights or whatever, there is that resistance. There is that uh, pain. And I'm not talking about excruciating pain, but there's a, there's a, there's a, a force working against yeah. you that you've got to get past. If you want to gain strides, you've got to push if, past. Ab- absolutely. Well, we know this in the natural within mm-hmm. our bodies. Why don't we understand this in the realm of faith, which is yeah. infinitely more important, that uh, we just want these little things. We want to take faith as a formula, kind of like the genie in the lamp. Rub it, say the magic words, and then the genie Jesus pops out and gives us our three or however many wishes. It, it's such a small and biblically in, inerrant uh, concept of faith uh, I think this this song was you know a reaction to that to some degree because I just say if all I ever knew is what you told me uh, if all I ever saw is what you showed me yeah. if all you want to do is just control me then all I want to do is live for him yeah. true faith simplifies your striving in your life it just says yeah. this doesn't seem fair I don't know why I'm going through this God I don't know what you're up to but I trust you yeah and I remember John Dawson years ago John uh affiliated with uh, Youth with a Mission Ministries, and he was teaching. And he, and he had this great, great illustration. And I remember him saying, we, we have the greatest opportunity to please the heart of God in the difficult seasons of our lives. And he, he kind of drew this picture of God drawing the angels over to the balcony of heaven and looking down upon us in our desperate situation. And as we as Christians say, but Lord, I trust you, I love you, and I believe in you. And Jesus says, look, he hasn't even seen me. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't see what you see, but he loves me. Yeah. We have the ability to do what the angels can't do. Yeah. Through faith, through not seeing, through not touching, to say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you by faith. And we please the heart of God. And maybe even for us, maybe sometimes he does get up off his throne and go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that song is about. And yes. I won't always cry and get moved like this, but you know what? I really don't care anymore. <laughs> it's who that's I right. am. It's where I am. That's right. Uh, not many other notes here, other than we feed faith and we starve fear, and that was my personal note, but it was. Um, in response to that Satan is trying to attack our faith. It's, it's his goal to tear that down. And whatever you feed is what's going to grow. So feed your faith. Yeah. And that is by reading God's word, claiming his promises, praying, getting God, and not just trying to get answers from him. And you bring up something there that, that can be a very controversial, some people don't want to talk about it, don't want to go there, but I think it's so important that we are aware of the fact that the enemy of our soul is very real. Yes. Now, does Satan himself, you know, when someone says, oh, the devil was after me all week, we know that Satan is not omnipresent. So to suppose that of all the people and situations on the face of the earth, 
your situation was so important that he had to personally visit right. you. Well, that's uh, up for debate. But we know that he has his hordes yes. of demonic activity. And it's interesting, I've been reading, again, some of the, as I say, the older books, the older writers. They talked very unapologetically about Satan and his demons and his designs and his uh, strategies, very specific strategies to, to war against and to fight against and to break down. In fact, there's a quote I have somewhere, I wish I could find it, but, and I don't even remember who said it, I think it was maybe Oswald Chambers, but he talks about we need to pay more attention to these uh, onslaughts of the enemy that through a prolonged siege he might wear us mm -hmm. down and break yeah. our faith. And that's what he's... And isn't that I, true? I mean, the, the whole of our Christian existence is based on this faith. Do I believe he is who he says he is? Do I believe his word? Do I really believe this? Well, if you do, then you have a security, uh, an eternal security. I am secure in Christ. Mm -hmm. I know I'm saved. I know I belong to him. Well, what do you think then? is the one major area where Satan would like to break you down. Right. Now, he can do it through all kinds of stuff, but you bring up such an important point that I'm not at all embarrassed to talk about uh, and remind people of that we have a very, very real enemy. And Paul talked about this. Yep. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right. but principalities and powers in high mm -hmm. places and dark areas, I mean, there, there's stuff going on. You know, Frank Peretti wrote his books, His Present Darkness, and yes. took a lot of abuse for it. I did a thing with Frank once, and Frank said, I didn't write this to try to be some kind of uh, document for spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of fiction. And yet he made a marvelous point. I think he helped us all, all to come eyes. to grips with the fact that, no, yeah. there's a war, there's a battle going on, and we're, we're kind of, in a sense, out here in the middle, yeah. you know, with... It's, it's that age-old, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Uh, God has his eternal plans and purposes, but we're still, choose this day who you're going to serve. And know that the uh, last thing Satan wants to happen is for you to succeed in Christ. Yes. So develop that faith, build up that faith, the same way as you wouldn't engage in any meaningful sporting athletic activity without being in shape. But man, we got a lot of out of, very out of shape Christians who think, mm -hmm. They can withstand the onslaughts of the enemy of their soul because they remember a couple of verses from Sunday yeah. school. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Build and Satan so would faith. love to have us lulled yeah. into yeah. a deep sleep. We'll close on Galatians 2.20 because I think that that's an um, excellent commentary on what faith is in our lives. It's a conduit. It's, it's, it's our partnering with him. We are saved by grace right. but through faith. Yeah. Any words on that? No, the only thing I love about that verse, and I, and I didn't come to terms with it uh, earlier in my Christian life. I, I grew up in a spiritual environment, and I don't mean in a bad sense, but just you know, kind of a theological environment that suggested to me that my salvation was kind of a precarious commodity. I mean, yeah. I, I sometimes joke and say I got saved every Sunday night. Yeah. Well, in a sense, I know I wasn't getting saved, but... I still was wrestling as Paul did with the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and oh, wretched man that I am. Well, I experienced that the first week after I was saved. Sure. So I thought, man, I, I know I gave my life to the Lord, but man, I got issues here. I got rough edges. I'm still I human. Go. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, the environment around me didn't teach me that I could have a security or a confidence beyond that. 
And it, it was just a wonderful day in my life when in my ongoing maturity in Christ, my ongoing study of the Word, when the light kind of went on one day, and I realized that if my salvation is in any way dependent on anything that I brought to the table, then it's a flawed salvation. Right. Then I got problems. But Scripture makes it clear. It is the free gift of God by His grace through faith. And it goes on to say, so that we don't boast about it. That's right. Because we would. That's hey, right. I did pretty good. I got a gold star. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. This performance-oriented salvation is not... We, we, out of a sense of gratitude for the gift of salvation he's given us, want to perform. We want to be right. holy as he is holy. We want to develop our character. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ, all these things. But not so that we can gain his approval. It's so that we can, as a, a outflow of our life of gratitude, everything yes. we do should say, thank you, Lord, for gifting me with the marvelous gift of salvation. Yes. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful verse. Yeah, and even the faith is a gift of God. So you're right, it everything is. is from God. It is, yeah. We, <laughs> at any point we start to think, hey, yeah, <laughs> I, I helped him out here a little bit. <laughs> I'm doing really yeah, well. That's well, thin ice, as we used to say in Minnesota. Yes, yes. Well, have a wonderful day, yeah, and we will again. see you next time.